0: This guy shared the truth, and I know he's going to do the same for us today. So let's stand to our feet. Let's give honour and respect to the man of God. Give it up for Pastor Jared. Good morning, church. How are you doing? Doing well? You can grab your seats. Always a privilege and an honour to gather around God's Word, and I'm excited for what God wants to do in our lives in this church this morning. If you've got your Bibles with you, I'd love it if you could turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you will find the book of Acts. Yell out, heyo, if you've got it. Two people brought their Bibles to church, that's good. That's a good start. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He's died, He's been brought back to life, and now uh, some 50 days after this, He speaks this to His disciples. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, God, we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank you for the power and the life and the hope that your word brings, that it can transform lives from the inside out. God, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit will speak to us with clarity, with power, so that we can walk out of church today ready to face our world. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I wonder if you've ever been in a situation where your eyes were watching and your ears were hearing and you were experiencing something and you said to yourself, what just happened? You were watching something, you were hearing something, you were experiencing something and you said to yourself, that just happened. Earlier this year, I was um, taking a, a, a trip back home from church and I was at a red light out the front of the Harvey Norman Centre, some 500 metres from here, parked at a red light, ready to go home for lunch. And as I was waiting at the red light, a man came screaming down the hill with a a, a trolley full of clothes, down the hill from the Harvey Norman Centre. And as he hit the slope, as the slope flattened out, he hit it and all the clothes and coat hangers spilled out of the trolley. Shortly after the, the, the clothes spilled out, a lady came running down and they started to fill the trolley with clothes. And I thought, you know what, that's not unusual, perhaps for a Wednesday afternoon here in Toowoomba. And as they started to pile all the clothes in, they, they, they started to run again. And then about seven seconds later, a lady came down and she was wearing a, a, a lanyard that said TK Maxx. And she was yelling and screaming and chasing these two that were pushing the trolley. And what I was witnessing was a crime. The light turned green and, and, and the, the, the two people with the trolley ran into the vacant block. And the lady uh, who was the employee of the shop realised that she wasn't going to catch her, she ran back up the hill. And it was at that moment I thought to myself, this is my audition to be the next Batman. The light turned green to my Holden, Colorado, turned into the Batmobile. And so I went down Ruthven Street, keeping my eye on the suspects. They got through to the park on the other side of the vacant block and I turned into Stennis Street. And some of you if, you, if you're unfamiliar with geographical, it's like a kilometre this way. In broad daylight, people. Broad daylight. I was, I was thinking, about, what is going on? The employee that was chasing the suspects, had returned. Not with extra employees, but now she'd returned with a Toyota Land Cruiser with a bull bar. <laughs> I'm, not even, I'm not even exaggerating this. I know pastors have a tendency to exaggerate stories, but I'm not even exaggerating this. She was now in a car and, and, and no longer on the gazetted roads. She was now in the park, in the Land Cruiser. I felt like I was on a scene of blue healers. I didn't know what was going on, and so I just—I I parked my side, I parked my car to the side, my Batmobile, sorry, to the side of the of the curb, and I was just watching this as the two people with the trolleys—they're uh, they're, running—and this lady is chasing them through the middle of a park with a Land Cruiser. There's dogs and people with prams getting out of the way. What was I witnessing? They made it to the other side of the park and they literally ran across the face of my car. It was by that stage I was like, you know what, this has probably gone on long enough. I probably need to bring the authorities into this because someone's about to die. And so I called triple zero and I had them on the speaker as I'm sitting in my car, and the suspects jumped over the fence of this, uh, of this house. As they're trying to climb this six-foot colorbond fence, the man who owned the house came out, and I kid you not, in nothing more than a wardrobe and his underpants. And so now he becomes a witness to the scene. He's watching these suspects with the Land Cruiser, like getting airborne over the hills of the park. He cleared the fence and... I didn't. I actually didn't know what happened beyond that because I thought, you know what, I've got to get back to work, and I realised that's probably a really big anticlimax to the story. I could have exaggerated and, you know, made a citizens arrest, but I honestly don't know. Let's hope they got caught. But I was watching that whole thing play out, and I was thinking, what is happening? This is broad daylight. This is Toowoomba. This doesn't happen. I was a witness. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 records the last words of Jesus before he ascends to the right hand of his Father. You know what? Jesus said a lot, not only in his private ministry, but particularly in his public ministry. But we can safely assume we're on reasonably safe ground that the last words of Jesus carried particular importance because they were his last. And these last words to his disciples, which is a picture of the church, came in the form of instructions. He talks of a power that will be found when the Holy Spirit dwells within. No longer was it God with us, it was now God in us through the Holy Spirit. How many people are thankful for that? And then he says that with that power, with that power that you tap into and access through my Holy Spirit, you will be my witnesses. A witness is someone who has seen and heard and experienced. And so Jesus is instructing his followers, what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've heard me teach and preach, the miracles, everything that you've experienced, you will be my witness to that. And that is how the gospel and that is how the church will be established. See, what started to happen after Jesus ascended, the stories of Jesus and his message began to change. People began to embellish it, people began to exaggerate it, people began to twist it and taint it. Paul puts it this way later on in the New Testament. He says there's a different Jesus being preached and I'm none too happy about it. Humanity began to change the narrative. See, God made man in his image and then we returned the favour. We started twisting and tainting God into our image, who we wanted God to be, to suit our lives. And we changed the question that Jesus asked Peter, who do you say I am? We changed that into who do you want him to be? We changed who Jesus was. And I'm here to remind us as the church that we need more witnesses than ever today to testify who have seen and heard that we can testify to the good news of Jesus Christ so that when we can hear weird ideas, weird beliefs about Jesus as a witness, we can say, that ain't right, friend. That's not the Jesus I know. You're preaching a different Jesus. I want to share a message this morning called His Last Words become our first priority. His last words become our first priority. I feel so stirred in my heart and my spirit, church, to remind us all today what our primary purpose on earth is, to bring glory to God and to be a witness to all that He has done in your life. It's a simple game plan, but it's an effective game plan. And God has not changed it. I know post-COVID, I think that post-COVID, things have been produced in the church apathy and forgetfulness and I'm here to remind us that God has not changed his game plan for the church we are called to be ambassadors he sees the church as an embassy and we are called to be his witnesses I know life can get busy I know life can get complicated but hear me this morning God is saying to you I have not changed I have not moved you are to be my witnesses sometimes I think we forget what we're here for And I'm not here to diminish your career. I'm not here to to take away from the family. I'm not here to do any of that. But I am here to put the fact that Jesus said his last words, you will be my witnesses. I am here to remind you, let's put that front and center of everything that we do. 2007, Nike released a campaign called We Are All Witnesses. The campaign was fundamentally started to uh, acknowledge the legions of fans of LeBron James as he started out in the NBA. And and the campaign basically was to say, we are all witnesses of his power, of his strength, of his athleticism, of his greatness. No offence to LeBron James, but we are all witnesses to who Jesus is. That should be our campaign slogan as the church. We are all witnesses. We all have a job. We are all on mission. Not just on Sundays when it suits us to come to church. Monday morning, Wednesday afternoon, Friday when I'm fatigued. We are all witnesses. The call to be my witnesses in the book of Acts, in fact, is not the first time that we see this instruction. In fact, this word is in constant and consistent use throughout the Bible. And it actually helps us understand the whole storyline of Scripture from the beginning to the end. In Hebrew, a witness is known as an A'id, and in Greek, it's known as a Matus. And throughout both Old and New Testament, we see this pattern in Exodus chapter 19. God has just split the Red Sea. He's freed the Israelites from slavery and he says this to the Israelite people, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. And he's telling Israel, you've seen what I can do. You've experienced it. You walk through the Red Sea. Now take that to the world. Take that to the other tribes and nations. John chapter nine in the New Testament Jesus heals a blind man and, and, and the, the, the people that are seeing this happen for the first time, they're a little bit suspicious of Jesus and look what the blind man says. He goes, I don't know whether he's a sinner talking about Jesus, but I know this. I was once blind, but now I can see. He's a witness. He's an eyewitness, pardon the pun. I don't know whether he's a sinner. I, I don't know all the answers, but I know this. I know that Jesus changed my life. Here's what we need to recognize in our modern day mission field, 2022. The authenticity of our witness to a cynical and suspicious world is more about how we walk and less about how we talk. Can I say it this way? Before a proclamation of the gospel, we need a demonstration of the gospel. Can I put it this way? People would much rather see a sermon than hear a sermon. How do we demonstrate the gospel? I'm not here to say that we shouldn't talk about Jesus. I'm not, I'm not abdicating that responsibility. But I believe that a demonstration of who Jesus is in our life lays the foundation for that conversation to take place. We've all perhaps been a witness to the, to the street preachers. And, and, and cold calls and, and people handing out stuff on the streets. And I'm not here to mock them and I'm not here to diminish them. But what I am here to say is we need a, we need a demonstration of who Jesus is to lay the foundation before we can enter into a conversation of who Jesus is. A boy once asked a pastor... When can I get advertised? What he actually meant was, when can I get baptised? And so the, the pastor corrected him. But I actually think, when can I get advertised, is actually probably true as well, because I believe that God, when He starts to get a hold of your life and transform who you are, you do become a billboard of grace. You do become a walking advertisement for the power and the life and the hope and the joy that Jesus brings. When we talk about witnessing in church in 2022, I think some of us maybe squirm in our seats a little bit. Some of us feel the need to retreat when we talk about being a witness because sometimes we can associate witnessing as this awkward spiritual discipline and maybe we were involved in a church program or a church initiative where it was just weird, where we went out into the streets and started witnessing or because maybe we're naturally an introvert And so when we hear witnessing, we're like, eh, I know that's what he said, but I just don't know whether that's for me. The church has had some very bizarre ideas when it came to witnessing. 40 to 50 years ago, this this was the practice of witnessing. Hi, my name's Jared, and you're an abomination under God, and you're destined for hell. But if you say a prayer right now, verbatim, you can be like me. And somehow that worked. Somehow the church, by God's grace, the church grew through that method. We do that in 2022 and I don't know how effective it's going to be. I believe now where we're placed in a modern day mission field, we need a demonstration before we have the proclamation. People need to see Jesus outworked in our lives before we can have that conversation. Being a witness is less about being right and more about being light. Amen? When Jesus said, be my witness, he wasn't talking about winning arguments on social media, friend. He wasn't interested in you getting in debates with an atheist or a Hindu or a Buddhist. He was talking about in a dark world, I need you to be a light. That's what I need you to do. Here's what we need to recognize, that if our deeds don't follow our words, our witness is weightless. There's no weight to it. We call that hypocrisy. And if you look at the studies, if you look at the surveys of unchurched people in our nation, and indeed probably the world, at least the Western world, hypocrisy is the number one barrier for people coming to church and coming to faith. When you ask people what do they think of church? Hypocrisy is the number one adjective that they describe Christian people. They say one thing and they do another. And I just don't know whether I'm interested in that kind of lifestyle. If we preach grace, we better extend grace. If we preach forgiveness, we better forgive. If we preach generosity, we have to share. Our talk has to match our walk. You know, it's funny, usually every time I preach a message around grace or, or, or about being, you know, Jesus-like, usually after church, every single Sunday, I tend to get a little frustrated on the road. Usually I always get stuck behind a learner driver on the way home. And Jesus is like, hey, we're going to walk this out or what? You know, we're going to walk the talk or are you just going to preach a nice little sermonette for the Christians on Sunday, or is this thing legit? Is this thing authentic? Our deeds have to match with our words. Some years ago, I made a decision. I made an agreement with God. God, I'm just going gonna, gonna to give up trying to bring you into conversations, trying to be on my agenda and trying to slip you into a conversation so that I can witness to people and it's amazing, and you might say, well, why did you do that? Because I, I just got weird with it. Like, it, it would start to invade every part of my life. Like, it, you know, when I, before I was married, I'd bring it into my dating. Hey, I was reading the book of Numbers, and I noticed I didn't have yours. When people would ask me, you know, oh, what, what's the weather like? You know, God rains and the sun shines. I'm like, what? It just get weird every time you try and bring Jesus into the conversation, And so I made a decision, God, I'm not going to get on my agenda. I'm not going to get on my, you open the doors. You provide the possibilities rather than me trying to look for it all the time. And you know what? It's funny. The moment that I hand it over to God and say, God, I want to be on your agenda, your plan. You open the doors, the opportunities and the possibilities that I have had in sharing Jesus. Because people have had an opportunity to watch the way that I live my life. And I'm not here to declare that I'm perfect, but over time people get to see how you live life, how you handle all the different things that life throws at you. People are watching. When we eliminate the pressure and the performance, then awaits the possibilities for us to be a witness. Is this helping anyone this morning? Three traps. Three chapters later, from Jesus' final words in the book of Acts, we see two of the original witnesses, two of the OGs, and Peter and John, and they're walking in obedience and they're doing exactly that. And a crippled man sits outside the temple or the church, and he sat there for nearly 40 years. He's been a cripple for 40 years. And each day when people would walk into the church, when they would walk into the temple, he would beg for money and beg for help. I mean, what a sad state that people would go to church and they would go to the temple and he was a man that desperately needed help and he waited at the entry of the church and not one person stopped. It wasn't until Peter and John came along Peter says to him, I've got no money, I've got no silver and gold, but what I do have is I have Jesus And he tells the man to get up and walk and the cripple begins to walk. Then Peter stands before the temple and he begins to preach. And the Bible says as he starts to preach the good news of Jesus Christ, the life, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, starts to preach grace. Some 5,000 were added more to that day. The church begins to grow. The Sadducees and the Pharisees and the, the religious system They become threatened by this life-giving and hope-filled moment. Isn't it funny that the gospel of grace and the gospel of Jesus wants to include everyone, wants to bring everyone in, but religion says only for a select few. Only if you do certain acts and certain disciplines can you come into the temple. Has it changed that much since 2022? And so John and Peter, because they start to see this incredible movement Gain momentum. They called before the council of religious teachers and elders and the people that uphold the law. And they say to them, we need, you to, we need you to calm down. In fact, we need you to stop preaching this Jesus. Stop preaching the good news. And this becomes their reply in Acts chapter 40, verse 20. I love this. I love this. We, listen, we cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. We can't stop. We cannot stop. See, when you've seen and heard and experienced the fullness of God, there is not a single thing that can stop you from being His witness. Not seasons of life, not circumstances. It's in you. Something has gone off on the inside. You won't stop and you can't stop. Look what the prophet Jeremiah says in the Old Testament. He says, but if I, if I say I will never mention the Lord or speak in His name, listen to these words. His words burn in my heart like a fire. I to have that kind of passion in our churches. It's like a fire in my bones and I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. You can't stop, you won't stop once you've seen and heard and experienced everything that Jesus has for you. Several weeks ago, I was talking to a young teenager at youth on Friday night and he had come to our youth camp and completely unchurched background. And on the Saturday night of camp, there's always generally quite a tangible presence of God. And I was having this conversation with him and he's this kid, he, he's an amazing kid, but has no understanding of, of church or God, but he experienced something on that Saturday night and so he and I are having this conversation and you just couldn't shut him up. He goes, I just can't explain, I don't, I don't know why, I, I felt it was just this weird feeling, he just kept talking and talking. See, when you experience the presence of God, you can't stop, you can't stop. Acts chapter four, verse 13. This conversation is still taking place between the council and Peter and John. Listen to this. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. You know, when you experience the presence of God, a boldness takes hold of your life. And you can walk into environments where usually you might have been an introvert, usually you might have retreated, but you can walk in to a workplace, you can walk into a family setting, you can walk into a social circle with a boldness, with a confidence, not an arrogance, but a boldness from God. And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training. Isn't that the pattern of God? that he just uses ordinary people. No offense to you and me, but we're just ordinary people. But God got a hold of our lives. No special training in the Scriptures. And then I love this, and this is where we want to land today. They also recognize them as men who had been with Jesus. I don't think there's no greater compliment that you could pay a follower of Jesus. Jesus. I don't know what it is about you, Peter and John, but you've been with Jesus. There's something different about you. And I wonder, church, this morning, if I can ask you the question, have you been with Jesus lately? Not have you been around Him, not have you been near Him, not have you attended church, but have you been with Jesus? A fresh encounter, a fresh experience. As the church, we have to understand this. People talk about you know post COVID and what 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 faces the church now I think the greatest days of the church are ahead of us. And we have to catch this. That we can have the principles of Christianity, we can have the values of Christianity, we can have great programs, great ministries, great worship, great infrastructure. We can have that all as a church. But hear me, it is never to be a substitute for the presence of God. It's the presence of God that changes lives. People say, oh, you know, your preaching changed my life. No, it didn't. It was the presence of God that changed your life. We can have all the great resourcing, but it can never be at the expense of the presence of God. Those moments where it's just you and Him laid bare with, you cut out all the distractions and you have that divine moment where He reminds you that He loves you. Where He reminds you that He's called you. Where He reminds you that you've got a destiny and a purpose. those moments that when we take that those intimate moments and then we take that into our world, you can't stop and you won't stop because of who He is come on, why don't you stand with me what is your proximity to His presence right now see the fact is God's presence never leaves us and so usually we say things like, oh, I just feel far away from God or I feel that God is distant. God isn't distant. God's presence has not left you. His abiding presence has not left you. Could it be that maybe we've taken a step to the right and maybe we've allowed the distractions of the world, the lures of whatever it might be? And that's what's caused us to feel distant. Not God. And so I want to pray for you and for the church today. That when people, maybe they won't say it verbatim like we read in the book of Acts, but when they look at you and they look at how you walk your life out, they'll say, I don't know. There's something different about them. They've been with Jesus. And so God today, for every man, woman and child hearing this message, God, I pray that there would be a fresh outpouring of who you are, God. A fresh encounter and a fresh experience, God, that we would catch this, that your last words to the disciple in the church, that we would be your witnesses in our hometowns, in our state, in our nation and to the world. God, that you haven't deviated from that. God, that that presence of God would stir something within us, that we would remember our primary calling to bring glory to you and to be a witness for you, to be your ambassador, that our actions would line up with our words, God, for some of us here right now, I pray that you would light the fire again. That you would light the fire, that that passion would begin to burn. Like Jeremiah said, it was like in my bones, I couldn't stop. Stir it up again, Lord. That our hearts would break for what breaks yours. That we would be driven by eternity. That we would walk as a witness. And God, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Don't you feel privileged that God has chosen you to be His witness? That God has chosen you to be His ambassador? Come on, can we thank God this morning that we are chosen by Him as the team finishes up?